Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today, we're going to discuss a movie called Captive State. This movie comes from 2019. It is an hour and 49 minutes long. The director is Rupert Wyatt. You might know him from a couple of other movies, which was um, like The Gambler, which has Mark Wahlberg in it, but I've not seen I've it. I've not seen that. The Escapist, which I've not seen, but a movie that I'm sure we've both seen is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. This movie has, I, I want to say, fairly low ratings. Like IMDb, it's 6.0, which is kind of the borderline between where I think decent movies <laughs> and not decent movies is... Metacritic is about 54, which is pretty low for a Metacritic review. Rotten Tomatoes, really. It, the critics had it at 44%. The audience at 37%. Really? I'm shocked because here's the thing. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not It's not bad. See, and I would totally disagree. I really feel strongly about this movie, and I feel that it is undervalued. I think that it is very well put together. I think that... Typically, the way my mind works, I am typically a type of person that will be more likely to take down a movie that too many people love than champion a movie that is undervalued. But I think that this is one that I would actually champion. I think that I I don't know what it is that has put off so many people, perhaps in talking with it, you know, perhaps in talking about it with you today. Maybe that will shed some light on it. I do have some suspicions as to why people might not like it. But ultimately, I think this is a very well put together movie. And I have seen it three times now. And I have loved it more each time. Because what I would say is this is a movie that one is very dense. It uses practically every second. I think there's only one tiny little clip that I... In the third time, thought, oh, actually, you could probably remove that. Most everything else is so vital, and you have to keep watching, and it doesn't dumb things down for you. It gives you all the pieces, so it's not that kind of movie. It's not the kind of movie where you and I are filling in all the pieces. I think the pieces are there, and that's actually what I love most about this movie. It has so many pieces that all work together and come together to make a very solid story that just works for me. Yeah, it's a giant jigsaw, basically. That's what I thought by the end of I've, I've watched it twice now. And yeah, even as, as I was watching it the first time, it's like, yeah, it's like a giant jigsaw puzzle where everyone is a piece and then they just all come together. It's quite interesting how it's done. But yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, but we'll get into why it didn't really blow me away. Fair enough. I would recommend it. I think I would. you would recommend yeah. it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I saw this for the first time on an airplane, and I still loved it. You know, <laughs> like that, that normally kind of diminishes most movies, but I really love this. And I, like I said, I've watched it three times. I will probably watch it again. If you do plan to watch it, plan to pay attention. Like, you have to see kind of everything to see how it works together. And... Perhaps that's part of the problem. Critics watching it live in a cinema, trying to take notes. Maybe they missed something. I, I'm just, I'm shocked by how low the positive reviews are. Did you read any of the reviews? Only just like the top bits for some of them. And I read a couple like just mm. to see why they didn't like it. Like I read one from the New York Times and I read one from The Guardian who both just set it on fire basically. Um but again, we have to probably get into the spoilers before we talk to talk about that. Fair enough. So it's time to do that. All right. So if you want to watch Captive State and you haven't yet, you should definitely watch this one before you listen because nothing but spoilers from here on out. I will say that the first probably two minutes of the movie is a fantastic, what, what could stand alone as a trailer. And that... You know, I'm, I'm probably going to go into more detail on that specific scene than anything else because I think that that really sets up the movie. But after that point, then you definitely want to go away because you you need to see how this movie works as you're watching it rather than you know hearing us talk about it. It won't be quite the same, I think. So 
spoiler section. We open with the sound of news reports. There's an unknown disaster. There's a man driving in a traffic jam. We're going to find out he's a detective because he tries to use his badge in order to try and get out north and get away, but they call him on it. And so when he backs up, they even are shooting at him. He ends up making it to... Like an underpass. Yeah. Like, and his wife is asking, is, is this really what we should be doing? Should we check in? She keeps looking to the back seat. And basically when they get to that tunnel, in the light, you can just see these alien shapes moving around. And it's so small and so distant, but it's done so well. You can tell these are not something earthly. <laughs> and yeah, it's just going to get to the point where, boom, the windshield shatters. The parents turn into a cloud of they just red dust yeah. <laughs> that just hovers in the air. As we look back and see the two boys, you know, uh, their sons in the back seat who have just seen all of this happen. And we also get a look at the alien, which is kind of looks like very furry, hairy. A human porcupine. And then when it's angered or alerted, the spikes come out, right? And it looks very deadly. This first two minutes is just solid. This could be a short film on its own. This could be a trailer kind of like what they did with Taken, where they just took one scene and said, This is what this movie is. I think they could have done this. This sets the tone for the movie. This tells you kind of what's going on. And then comes a part that you're probably not going to like as much. Whereas I really like it. (laughs) That's the opening credits. The whole opening scene where they basically sum up everything that happens in the invasion in very short bits through kind of news clips, but what's more interesting is the text messages that are being sent out from the Pilsen Public School, and there are things like, alien forces have taken control, there are now our legislators, and that's the name that they're kind of given throughout the movie, all major cities are under legislative control, downtown Chicago is walled off, and residents are relocated to uh, and, and this happens to other cities as well. We see this in kind of a graphic. Paris, Beijing, other cities. The centers are being walled off and the rest of the city is kind of being distanced. We're being told that humans are conscripted to build these kind of alien habitats underground. But I like that before that as well because the, she, she types in people. But then she deletes out people, then puts in humans, which is quite an interesting touch. I I, I like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've got police crackdown, and people are starting to be deported off planet. And this is the new prison system, essentially, is they're being sent off planet to do what we're not sure. And we never find out. They are jamming all sorts of sy- systems, so communication is destroyed. Police start reporting directly to the legislators. Here's another quote text. We have landed an attack on a closed zone. Success is paramount. Our lives depend on it. Next, the plan failed. The closed area zone remains intact. Fate of all still unclear. Next, this will be my last message. Our objective remains the same. And the important, strike the closed zone, light a match, and ignite a war. Which is essentially the whole key to this movie is the whole point. And it's amazing how much they're actually given to us in this montage of scenes, news bits, and just these text messages. And this is one of the things I suspect is I suspect that a lot of people wanted more of this story, more of this pre-story. But I don't think it's necessary. I, I don't think, think that, so either. I think that this movie does exactly what I want it to do. It tells one contained story. And I'm probably going to say this again at the end, but the way I see this as a movie is, it could have been a series. They could have built up to this. I was going to say, it would make a great TV show, actually. Would it, though? Yeah, I think so. Here's the thing. They did this TV show called Falling Skies. Or V. Different. 
I would argue that V is different because in V you get both sides, which we don't here. It's, it's all one-sided, which is much more at least... I mean, they could have expanded it, you know? I mean, I definitely see an opportunity for okay, a TV show. But here's the thing. Falling Skies, I watched the whole season of it. I didn't like it. Is it the same as this? Is well, it it's the same concept after the alien invasion. Okay. How do people deal? How do people survive? Here's the problem. I think that with a lot of those kind of series, much like things that we've discussed before, at least tangentially, and certainly in person, you know, off air before, The Walking Dead, you've got things like Battlestar Galactica, you have a bunch of other things where you can make it a whole series, but what you're going to do is you're going to have a lot of filler episodes. You're going to end up with a lot of characters that aren't really necessary but they're kind of thrown into the limelight for their episode right yeah you get a lot of backstory that you probably don't really want or need this movie by choosing to make it a movie instead has cut out all of that extra stuff and i would say that snowpiercer is probably much the same they've now started a series i haven't tried to watch it yet but snowpiercer basically gives you the end of the story it starts where, you know, it, it's a small story at the end. And that is pretty much what we have here. You have a small story that takes place at the end. It is a complete story. And I think the best part of it is, is that we're not given false drama. Ooh, we know the plan. Will it work? Won't it work? We have to figure out what the plan is as we're going and we're not exactly sure who the players are or we don't know the plan even the people don't know the plan <laughs> right and that's also part of why this works so well in a tv show you couldn't get away with that you couldn't get away with that for a very long time of who are all these people what are they doing we can't do this for 20 episodes well, solution give it to the bbc <laughs> <laughs> sure they get only six episodes maybe if you did something like that maybe three hours but i mean i get i, I understand it's like so you've got people that I mean, I think, okay, here's the thing. It's unfair to say that this is a bad movie because it doesn't do that, though. If people have been going on to Metacritic and saying this is a bad movie because it doesn't go into the backstory enough, that's 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 a garbage reason to downvote a movie or, or an, to, to rate it on IMDb poorly just because it doesn't fit what you think it should be. You know, that's that's an unfair way to, to grade anything. I think, though, I think that I have been guilty of that in the past. There are some things that I would definitely say that they aren't explained enough. And I want more. Typically, I'm the type of person that I want more, which makes this movie such a unique specimen in the fact that I don't want more. They gave me exactly enough. And it makes me very happy. So now, so that we don't make this episode four hours long, we need to kind of <laughs> push through the movie. And unfortunately, like you have a lot of notes. I have a lot of notes. We could probably, they probably coincide together as well. It's probably not, I've just jotted down a lot of thoughts as, as, as I've gone through. I've never, I, I can't imagine any other movie doing this in a way that <laughs> through just that montage, I'm so incredibly hooked. You know, I, I think the closest thing might be the, early montage and up which is probably well at least in my opinion better than the actual movie itself Another john goodman movie <laughs> it's not in it he looks like him <laughs> yeah. confuse you there for a second yeah i was like do you mean ed hasner like they're not the same <laughs> the character looks like john goodman i'm sure john goodman look i'm gonna say it now i'll probably say it again fantastic in this movie yeah i, I mean i can't frown that much in a, in a, in a single setting. Like, he, doesn't, there, he never smiles. It's there like, are times where he just gives subtle facial movements where you can tell, like, he's not... He's he's keeping up that appearance, but that's not what he feels. So just minute. It's yeah. just... It's really impressive. And that's not something I properly saw on the plane on the tiny screen. No, <laughs> definitely not. But on the actual TV screen monitor I was watching on, yeah, much, much better. So let's talk about... The movie opening, properly opening now, Chicago, nine years after the first contact, we see John Goodman, who is William Mulligan. He is commander of the specials. We will see them later wearing ski masks as they relocate people. He's basically in a surveillance room. He uh, is watching 
events that he shouldn't be able to watch, a couple in a bedroom, having an intimate moment, Gabriel talking to his girlfriend, uh, we see like then a man brushing his teeth. This is where we've actually cut now to, we are now with Gabriel instead of just watching him. And he's like, this is just great setup where he's brushing his teeth using the little water that's possibly dripped out of the sink overnight or something. Yeah, caught it in the lid of a frying pan or something like that. How important resources are in this world. It really sets the tone. And that's one thing that this movie does very well is it is very efficient with its storytelling. He's basically telling Rula about like the lake. They're talking about that. He kind of kisses her and leaves. Outside, his partner is waiting. Do you want to get this out of the way? Oh, Machine Gun Kelly? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't I don't really like the guy. Um, I'm just going to be honest. There you go. I don't have any sort of history with Machine Gun Kelly. So that's it, it's part of the rap world. That I mean, he's a pop anarchist. I mean, I just... I just I can't take him seriously in anything, man. All right, well, I I have no real background with him. He plays what appears to be a low-educated, trying-to-get-ahead guy who's working with Gabe and kind of works for that, especially such a small role. So it it's not really going to affect me. But they're talking about trying to pull a job off so they can have a boat to escape. Across the lake. Yes. And when we're talking Chicago, we're talking a great lake. So this is... Not a tiny move. Mm-hmm. This is huge. Right. This is, is, is like escaping into Canada or something like that then. It would be, if not that, very close to it. Yeah. Right. They see somebody spying from the window. And they throw stuff at them. Yeah, because that's what they say. There's a lot of narcs in this because everyone's like spying on each other for obviously brownie points to get credits for rations or whatever the hell's going on. But yeah, so can't trust anyone kind of thing. There's also a caution about what appears to be a flock of birds, but is clearly not. We will see later them up close. These kind of nasty, hexagonal, fuck-like... leeches? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. His partner is admiring, like, posters and mural on the wall. And he says, your bro's a legend, man. This is all about Raphael. You know, there's a death date here of 2026. So he is dead. We're going to find out that he was very involved with something, I believe, at Wicker Park, where they were trying to... I, I think that was... It's inside the closed-off zone. That's the part that they nuked, basically, after the, the mission went to hell. Yeah. From the rooftops, they look out. We see steam escaping all over the place and a weird kind of black structure, which I think they refer to as an anthill, which I think is one of their ships. I would think I would think so, yeah. It's a little hard to tell from this point, but we're going to see their ships in great detail later. Yep. The partner threatens to invade one one day like Raphael did, which is a real empty threat. Yeah. But this guy, he always talks big. In the few scenes we see him, he's always talking big. Good way to get yourself killed, yeah. We see Mulligan, so Goodman, reading a paper. He sees the ad for for Phoenix something something. It's in the classifieds. He circles it. He suspects that it is something. So when he goes into work, uh, well, actually, before he goes to work, he's taking a pic of graffiti with the same mark. And he basically follows a woman into an apartment building, which is a brothel. Yeah. As he's leaving, we see Commissioner Eugene Igo leaving. We don't really know who he is at this point. But second and third viewing, you do know who he is and that this is very important. So uh, Mulligan basically follows up. He goes into a nice apartment filled with books and flowers and a record player. This is not the type of place where they're capturing water to brush their teeth. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So being part of a brothel has its advantages, even more as we find at the end. Right. But... This is where we meet up with Vera Formiga in IMDb, and in the credits, they refer to her as Jane Doe, which is a bit odd given that we do know she has a character name, but I think that they're trying not to give anything away. Right. Which is, which is good, because yeah, if you do go into those credits and look up actors, sometimes there's huge spoilers in there, like 
oh, it's the brother of that dead guy. (laughs) (laughs) But this scene, this whole scene, this is another scene that is just fantastic. It is chock full of stuff and you kind of need to watch it all to follow it. She's giving herself what we would call a literal horse bath as she's wiping herself off with a damp towel. She notices that it's him and she kind of smiles and turns and talks to him. She's very nice to him the whole time. He looks very miserable kind of this whole time. Uh, Mulligan is sad and he says that he doesn't have much time and they need, she says, well, then we better get business out of the way. He sits down. He says, I can't do this. And she holds him. She like kisses his cheek. She says, hey, we should go to bed. And he says, it's a mistake. She says, no such thing as a mistake, only fate. So there is no mistake. There's only fate. And she says, you're a captain. You won't get caught or something like that. Right. So the thing is, the first time I watched this, I didn't know what was going on. I thought he was saying he's a person of power. He shouldn't be basically at a house of ill repute. He should be somewhere else. But I I don't know. Did you get the impression your first time that they knew each other from before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. No idea what was... I had no idea that, that it was leading up to what happens in the end. But I, I suspected something was up. Because like that's a classic move, isn't it? You play the... And I knew they were being recorded. Because... That's the whole. They do the that in so many the movies. Records. Like they they play the music so that they don't get picked up with the bugs, and and then they they. But whisper, it, they whisper at the same the time, see, I think that there is enough doubt here that she could be worried that she's being bugged. If the whole world is worried about being bugged and being narked on, then right, she sure. could also be worried about that. She could also be worried that he's wearing a wire. Mm. <laughs> because he, well, he's the, the commander of the the specials. Yeah, that's right. Not a captain. He's the commander. Um, yeah, and I, I think that there's enough reason why she might be doing that. But I think in my head, I wasn't sure if they knew each other from before or if they had just kind of grew an affection for each other since all of this had happened. Right? Maybe he started to come to her in the beginning, but they, you know, feelings grew. And so doing this, you know, buying her services is what he thought was wrong. And that's kind of the first time through, that's kind of what I thought was happening here. Because, I mean, I mean, the the other, the other, I don't know, maybe, okay, I'll just say this now and we can maybe either Mm -hmm. cut it into the end or do it now. But before we get here as well, you notice that he's got dog tags on his car. Yes. And so... I imagine if it's 2026 when that guy died, it's just recently. So I'm going to, I'm going to imagine that maybe he was in the Gulf War. He's probably in his what, late fifties in this movie. Yeah. So 30 years before maybe would, would be when he was a soldier. Like if he was a, if he was a soldier on the ground. Perhaps. I would think it odd if the dog tags were from fighting the aliens. Oh, no. I mean, but I mean, that, that, the, the, the whole point of me saying that is, is that because of what happens at the end of the movie, he probably saw a lot of that. In Iraq or something like yeah, I think we're led you know, to like believe suicide bombing and things, and like we're that. not we're not given that again. No. This movie doesn't overexplain anything. But on a second viewing, that's why yeah. that's what I could come. You up You see with. those dog tags, you know they're important to him. Yeah, and you know that he's probably seen some stuff as well as some of the other characters were introduced later. Obviously, are more complicated than we're led to believe right. when we first see them. But there's a whole bit where she takes this box off of the shelf to give it to him. It's got this unique flower pattern. We're going to see the box later. And he basically, he's like, I can't do it. And he's going to leave. And she's saying, you know, know, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. Look to the Trojan horse picture on the wall. And... The whole thing with this scene and the other scene that they get to have together is that he's not sure he has the strength to do what is dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And she encourages him that he can. And what I love about this dynamic is here's a woman who looks like she's really kind of lower class by the standards of this world in this movie that she is, you know, he's, towards the top he's a commander of this 
special unit, yeah, police force, and she may or may not be in charge of this brothel, but also just the kind of gender role reversal here of she's the one really is we're going to find towards the end we're in the spoiler section pretty much she's number one that's her name constantly refer to her as number one (laughs) and so it was probably her plan and she's the one and what a sacrifice as well like she gives a huge sacrifice she's she's very strong for him and for all her soldiers because she knows how important this is. Yeah. I mean, that's nuts when you think about it, like just selling yourself basically to be able to do the revolution. It's pretty crazy. This whole thing. And that's the thing. The first time I watched this, I didn't get any of that. I saw it from a totally different way and the way it can be viewed in both ways and it still works is really impressive. And again, that's, that's just another reason that I like this movie. As we leave here, Mulligan is basically in the green light of a sterile elevator as he goes to work. He speaks to his co-worker about the resistance and the, his partner or friend, whatever, is saying, okay, you've got to let this go. Why do you have this crazy space where you're doing the the thing, where, you know, that he's got all the cork boards yeah, up and yeah, yeah. models all of the, the town he's made the out threads of. threads, like, attached to pushpins. He's made the town out of, like, paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not to scale. <laughs> But he says, oh, I've cracked the communications. It's this phoenix symbol. And he keeps pushing this all the way through. Okay, cut now to Alan Ruck, who plays Charles Rittenhouse. He gets off an L train. He meets with this other guy who asks if he was followed. He says no. And basically they say training is over. Shows the phoenix ad. And Rittenhouse asks, do you back this? And the other man says, I back number one. At least I think, yeah, my mind aren't clear. Yeah, I think that those are the ones. But the way through the closed zone is going to be through Soldier Field. This is where the Bears play. And it's going to be tonight. So, Oh, is that a real name of a, of a stadium then? Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. And it is near downtown or in downtown. So yeah. I, I looked up to see if like, what's it called? P- Plisson or? Pilsen. P- Pilsen, Pilsen, Pilsen. And uh, the other couple of places they mentioned there, they're all real places. I think the guy who directed and wrote this is from Chicago as well. So it makes sense. It would totally make sense. But yeah, if it would make sense that that stadium would be close to the closed zone if it's downtown. Right. Okay. The other man who I think I'll try to refer to as the sergeant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He goes in and he meets a shadowy character with a white socks hat yep. in a bus, school bus, a derelict school bus. And they have a bit of a conversation. We're going to find out later that was Raphael. Mm-hmm. But it's really, even looking again, it's really hard to see here. Yeah. They really put him in shadow. But he did have that hat in the car, right? He was wearing that. That's Oh, he definitely wears it. Uh, well, we right see at it. the beginning when he's a kid, yeah? Ah, oh, that would make sense. I think yeah. that's the whole point. Because they keep focusing on that hat a lot of the times. I think it's the hat he had as a kid, yeah? I know that he's wearing it there, and I know that... He picks it up off the table later. When he meets up with Gabriel, yeah. yeah. In fact, let's talk about Gabriel. So Gabriel enters a security check overhead. We hear his name announced, so we understand that this is the way security works. We also see this kind of pulsing thing under his skin. This will be referred to as a bug. A literal bug. Yeah, <laughs> an implant. And that's, we don't see it yet, but yeah, a lot of their technology is organic in nature. Again, and then just if we can stop right here, yeah. just for one second, this game, have you played Half-Life 2 yet? you got to play Half-Life 2 because this movie is Half-Life 2, the movie. It's brilliant. And that's one of the reasons I really like this movie is because it captures that grittiness and real, that whole organic weirdness of like machines that are made out of like flesh kind of things go and play half-life 2 you'll get a kick out of it i'm I'm, promise you that gabriel works at a data reclamation center where they're going through old sim cards memory cards cards, everything and basically putting it all into the cloud this kind of cloud that apparently the legislators have created and then after each time he destroys one. But we see in this somebody who works next to him try to sneak something away. This was a mistake. <laughs> we will see later. But we need to talk about the lunch break where a woman comes in. She takes out a rolling paper with some information on it. 
We can't really see what it is. I thought it was a phone number, but it's not a phone number. No, it's we're going to find out as an implant number. She rolls a cigarette for him. He takes it and the cigarette, which is so simple, but is so important. He's going to be carrying this around for a while. And yeah, after work. So that's the thing. Like that character, I don't think we ever see her again. She's had her moment and that's it. She had one you had one job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one thing though that I kind of, again, a little nitpick is every, it's one of these movies where everyone is smoking everywhere. And is it only because of this? Like, is it the only reason? Is, is, would, would tobacco production really be number, a high priority on the aliens uh, list to keep the population in check? And if they're using people to, for labor to, deplete the entire of the Earth's resources, why would they be simultaneously trying to hospitalize them? Unless I, they have the cure for cancer. Possibly. But I also think, I, I think we're led to believe that there are only a few years left anyway. I think that could be a nitpick, and I, I would support that. I personally think that this follows into the kind of prison mentality, and right. that cigarettes are always worth money. And so it doesn't feel out of place, even though... I think that there are probably a lot less smokers now than there used to be. But at the same time, stressful times. I think smoking goes up. And this is obviously... Smoking's allowed indoors again. (laughs) That's true, yeah. (laughs) This is obviously like a very stressful time. I don't know. I didn't really notice it that much. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) But it also feels a bit like this genre film. It just kind of fits that motif. So I could understand that. But at the same time, that didn't bother me. Right. I think you'd be more like, why does everybody else have proper cigarettes? And he's walking around with a, a rolled one. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it would actually make more sense if everybody was rolling them because rolling is typically cheaper. cheaper. Yeah. Which is why I thought that that fit very well. I just thought we should have seen it a bit more. Mm. Outside, the drones fly overhead and Gabriel is nervous, but we find out that it's the woman who took something She's the one who's going to be taken by the specials, the men in the ski masks. Well, I guess they're not just men. The police officers in ski masks thrown into an agricultural bureau (laughs) van and taken away. I think this is the part where, um, yeah, I don't know how there's a bit of a cut here because all of us, they're walking in the park and they're, then all of a sudden he's next to the water and then he's watching one of these off offloads like these off-world transports yes so that is a that's a big cut we see the anthill ship kind of hovering and flying behind the remnants of i i couldn't quite tell if it's like a bridge or if it's kind of alien technology giant weapons of some kind yeah i had no idea what it was but some kind of pillars anyway but i quite i kind of like this because if i was an alien and i was going to be like checking out other worlds like What's the best ship that you could get? Not like the old 80s movies, these big giant discs with all flashing lights. You pick something camouflaged that looks like a rock. And that can, you know, one thing that the universe has is lots of rocks if you've got planets. <laughs> so that's a, that's a perfect design for a ship. I, I like it. What I don't like is that they, they use the exact same shop twice in this movie. Yes. <laughs> and it's a bit obvious. Yeah. Maybe that was a budget concern. It probably was, yeah. Yeah, so we see that and this is where... Gabriel's going to meet up with his partner. His partner has a gun, like a revolver. Yeah. Like, Why do you have that? You think you're big time. They kind of fight about who's putting more of a risk in this. They hear a siren. They both kind of head out. And Gabe gets called into the car by Mulligan. And he gives him a sandwich. Yeah. And Gabriel's like, what? Special Branch has got nothing better to do? <laughs> but this is where we're given some good background information. We find out that Mulligan was a cop before. Mulligan was Gabriel's father's partner. And and he feels that there's a kind of loyalty to that, that that's still important to him. Um, He got him the job at the data reclamation place as well. Yeah, and he's like, oh, thanks for that. And he's like, do you not realize how much worse (laughs) it could be? You know? You have a choice to make yourself. Don't make the wrong one. He's like, get out of here. I really like this dynamic. He never, he's always watching over Gabriel and trying to take care of him. 
but never allows himself to be like a father figure. He doesn't really take him under his wing. He just kind of helps from a distance. So he's Gabriel's angel and not Angel Gabriel. <laughs> Did you write that down? <laughs> no, I just you thought of that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, right. So Gabriel, now at night, he's knocking on a door and he asks about his money. Man basically puts a collar on him, takes him into a van and takes him to this just destroyed area. Yeah, and when someone puts a collar on you in a science fiction movie, that means head's going to go boom. That's what you would think, right? But not in this case. Yeah. No. And I And think, I like that because yes. that surprised me. That was a good um what what is it? Subverting my expectations because especially the way it glows, it looks like it's explosive. And even in my notes here, watching it the second time, I put they put a locked collar on him, but it's not a locked collar. No, because he takes it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, totally fooled me. It looks like it's dangerous, but this is all to get him to meet up with Raphael. Yeah, because it basically it masks the bug that's in his neck. Right. It takes him off the grid. And they have a, a touching scene. Yeah, he sees the White Sox hat. And hears the voice and is very excited. But the whole argument here, it's a fantastic scene uh, back and forth. Gabriel wants them to leave together. I've got this plan. I've got this boat. You, We met up at just the right time. And Rafe's like, we can't. Now, this is what's important, like holding the cigarette. This is what I need. This is the more important thing. And boy, they both want to take care of each other, but they both have different ideas of how it's meant to be, and they end up having to part not on the best of terms. Raphael's going to take the info, hide it into... <laughs> they're basically using carrier pigeons again, or something like it. Yeah. And he sends that off. We see Mulligan in a van. This is where we actually get to see what kind of the drones are seeing, this green screen that's doing facial recognition in milliseconds. Yeah. It's scary how quick it's doing that. And then we, you know, he finds Gabe's. So then we're following Gabe and Gabe is talking to Rula and saying, it's time to get out. We've got to get out. And she's very against it. Yeah. I love, I love that relationship. He's like, all right, see ya. <laughs> she's, that's her at the movie now. Almost. We do see her one more time. Yeah. But it feels very weird. It feels awkward, but that's really done on purpose. Yeah. And uh, as we'll see her later, that she was either working for Mulligan or she was a narc for Mulligan. But either way, she was keeping a lot from Gabriel. And I think that that's very, like, that's not me filling in the gaps, right? Like, mm. that's that's basically given to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Gabe leaves. Mulligan gets out of the van. Gabe sees him, so he runs. Mulligan chases him down in a car. And Gabe kind of gets trapped in this shelter in the... What looks like an abandoned subway. I think because it's a subway, but it's a weird entrance to the subway. It looks like a like a dumpster that he gets into from the side. It's like corrugated iron and what I thought it was was more a ticket information desk that would have been surrounded by uh, bulletproof okay. glass. And so yeah, that's where we really get to see the drones. He sees the drones and hides and just they swarm. They completely yeah. coat it at one point yeah. until Time has passed later and they, they give up, I guess. But yeah, this is where you get to see the weird organic leachy Leech stuff yeah. thing at the bottom. But yeah, Gabriel disappears for a long time now in this movie. A lot of time passes where we just don't see him again. Right. And Because I guess he's done his part. That's the whole point, is that he's not really... I mean, he is a main character, but he's done his, he's done his bit. Yeah, and what he needs to do comes later, mm. so we don't need him yet. So yeah, he's been kind of locked away... As a way for us to have a reason not to see him for a while, I suppose. But because he puts on the collar, Mulligan loses his signal. And I guess he's doing that so that the leeches also can't find him. I'm assuming so, but it seems to take a while for them to ignore him. I don't know, man. If if I was like in a tunnel surrounded by those things, even if they left after 10 minutes, I'd probably still wait there for like a few hours before I tested it again. That is true. I'm not going to argue that too much. Mulligan goes back to work. He puts... A proof of life post on Rafe's picture. He's saying, oh, no, I know that he exists now. So, yeah, so he's totally changed that. Sergeant gets the info 
from the pigeon. And he goes down to a secret area. There's the man in the wheelchair who's it looks like he's using dial-up to do yeah, some. Yeah, he's using AOL or something like that from back in the day. <laughs> and he's getting info on a specific person. We're going to find out this is Robert Watts, the deputy mayor. A coin is flipped to this kid who we're going to see a lot. Yep. This phone kid is really important. Um, I mean, this is where the movie just turns into mousetrap the game, though. It's just like... This knocks this guy into this. The the ball rolls down the stairs, hits this guy. He falls into the bathtub. Da, 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 da. It's it's just this long string. But I love it. <laughs> I love this so much that you're you're given this. So the wheelchair man asks, "Who is he?" And the answer is like he carries the bomb. So now we know there's going to be a bomb involved. Uh, the kid uses the coin to call. Rittenhouse in Classifieds. So we find out he actually works in the Classifieds. He goes to the censor to try and get something approved last minute. The censor with sarcasm like, oh yeah, this is really important. <laughs> but the truth is she has no idea. Like this is a great moment of irony where she's joking how it's not important, but really it's incredibly, incredibly important. Yeah. The young man, there's a different young man. He gets the paper and he sees the Phoenix ad and he shows it to a DJ who's, who has to play a song. And now everybody's called into action. So there's a kind of a father washing dishes, immediately stops, grabs his dog, takes one last look at his wife and child. And he takes off the barking dog, alerts a mechanic. She fixes up a car quick, takes off. And they're going to all end up in a kind of abandoned room where they're going to have the bugs removed yeah this is a good this, scene. this is where we see that, yeah. they're, that they're alive right it's, i had a problem though just a, bit, like, a little bit before that so when the mm-hmm. girl puts this she basically puts like a car's missing one piece basically and she just like she puts it in and that's it it's ready to go the guy who took gabriel to see his brother works in that auto shop and is watching it's like surely a few steps could have been missed like if he's already there like, I mean, I guess, I guess the whole, for me, the whole point of the movie was that everyone was supposed to not know what each other was doing, or they only had contact with one or two people. Cause even, um, Raphael at one point says, we don't talk to each other. We don't know. And it's better that way. Right. But this guy, he's almost like, he's like the, the daddy of the whole thing. And he like knows a lot of people. Surely he could have just gone and they could have just skipped a few steps. Like, I think the the mousetrap thing was a bit much for me because the, the longer you have a chain, the more likely it is to, to get messed up. Yes, but we don't know what contingencies might have been because it doesn't fail. Yeah, so they win the lottery then, basically. Mm. Yeah. Well, I prefer to think of it as really good planning put in action as it was practiced to do and as it was expected to do yeah it could have gone wrong that's the way with pretty much any sort of (coughs) plan i mean they wouldn't have even had time to practice not like they could have practiced it you know it's like this is the first time that this is happening i don't know it's a bit of a stretch for me but anyway (laughs) um hang on so yeah just that yeah like the more people means more things can go wrong um and if this one guy if it was all dependent on this one guy hearing that song and going out and then leaving a dog. That dog might have been dead. That might dog have been run over. It's like, does that just destroy the whole plan? But I don't think that that's the case. We lose... Sorry. We lose somebody in the bug removal process, and yet the plan continues on. Yeah, no. So I think that we didn't need all five or six people. So if we didn't get her, we still have two other drivers. Fair enough. They... Get those removed. The sergeant, we know he's a sergeant because he meets up with a guy outside of the morgue. Who salutes him. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a sergeant, right. But he's, which basically makes us believe that they had served together. But he explains these implants are from people who died, you know, like today or yesterday. I've been holding them back, but I have to record them tomorrow. Yep, 7 a.m., so you have a limited window to make these work, but these are all downtowners and people with clean records. So these should be able to get you anywhere you need to go. Right. And I think that that is just so much information is given there without it feeling expository. And in fact, he's like, oh, well, we lost a guy. So I only need three of those. It's like, good. It takes the one <laughs> out. <you know? laughs> 
yeah, then we see a man arrive from under a church. He goes to a horse. He sees Rafe. And they go to see a woman who's, like, cooking as her children watch cartoons. They're basically trading old church stuff for a bomb, an organic bomb that camouflages itself, which is amazing. I believe she refers to him as father, so I believe he was a priest before. Yes, I mean, and that, I don't know, again, I got a bit of an issue with this as well. She's basically clearing out the church for her, her own personal gain. It's like... I don't know. He obviously feels that maybe, maybe the whole point is like he feels strong enough about it that he's willing to do that. But yeah, I was like, hey, what do you intend well, what, to do with it? What else are you going to do with it? Well, I imagine that there's a black market for everything. Mm-hmm. right? And some of that stuff would be metal that could be melted down and turned into other things. Possibly, possibly. like a, you know, a silver cup or something. Mm. We have them all now in what appears to be another house of ill repute. And a man comes in and, you know, he's very dressed up for work there. But as they're discussing and getting ready, like the mechanic is told to take off the, I think she's wearing a cross or a crucifix and she's told to take that off because she might as well be wearing like a target on her forehead. And, you know, they're given continuity error right there. Does she wear it later? Um, if, uh, in, in the scene, uh, in the scene, the scar is on her, the wrong side of her neck. So I'll put a clip, I'll put a still of both of them there right now. Bing. Yeah. When she's getting the bug drilled out, sucked out, it's on her right side. But when she's wearing her patch, it's on her left. Anyway, so Rocky Horror, Brian Cranston. Yeah. That's what you called him? Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> All right, so that's a good definition, man. That's, that's that, no, that it's fine. works. So downstairs, this is where they're really setting up. They're being given their new IDs. Like we can tell that because of the pictures they're being taken. They're cutting their hair. They're making themselves look more respectable, wearing suits and those kind of things. And they're also given suicide pills. So they're given new implants to put in. They're given with these kind of bite plates they have to yeah. put in in their mouth. And these suicide pills, which they all hide in a different location, like a location that makes sense to them. And I thought that that was a really good touch, which I wasn't expecting. So we're now at 51 minutes and 58 seconds. I know that because as I was watching this week, the first time I was watching it to take notes, boy, like everything we've done so far, so many notes, so many notes, that I kind of just went, I want to watch this movie. And so I, <laughs> I stopped and I just watched the second half. The second half is much more action-oriented. I mean, this is the point where the music kicks in and the plan is really, it's time. The plan now goes into action. And so, you know, I had four and a half pages probably before of notes. I have like two pages now because now it's more about watching what happens. Let me see what I've got. I've got one, two. Yeah, I've got three. So, But they're going to drive down to the stadium. They pose as spectators, but high-level spectators that can kind of get into the tunnels and back areas fate goes or um sorry rafe goes in as security and mulligan is watching on the whole time he's got the box in front of him he's got a blackberry phone an evidence bag we're gonna find out that that blackberry phone is very important because of the memory card it has uh but as far as in the stadium the mayor is there making a speech about how much better life is since legislators have come it's been a time of peace, which it might seem like that from downtown, mm-hmm. but we've seen it most of the time from not downtown and how bad things have gotten. But that's how you sell it to the people with the power and the privilege. And I think that is one thing that I do really like about this movie. I think that it is saying a lot about that without being overly explicit about it. It's just there as part of their world. And it's kind of a reflection of our world if things get worse, right? Even worse. <laughs> like I said, even worse than it is now <laughs> in 2020. But yeah. Uh, the whole thing is to get the deputy mayor who goes to the different exit than they were expecting. So Rafe runs the whole time. The other guys kind of intercept. And Rafe uses his security disguise as a way to say, hey, get out of here. You're okay to go. Pats him on the back with the bomb. Double tap. And we can yep. see it. Yeah. 
And after this point, the translator is talking to the deputy mayor saying, you know, speak slowly, take a breath after every sentence, give me time to translate. Because apparently the aliens are not very patient. No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) And it leads up to him walking along. We see the bomb kind of grow and spread. And we see the huge explosion, mass panic at the stadium. People are all trying to leave. Our people start running. And the, the priest dies. Rafe is left on foot. He runs off. He encounters an alien in the dark. He tries to hide in like a van or a truck or something. And this is where your, well, what did you say? Rocky Horror Brian Cranston? Yeah. <laughs> Basically will come in and show that he really knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like he uses the fire extinguisher to confuse it, then like bashes it, bashes <laughs> it with the canister itself. And then what I think is a beautiful moment from a storytelling perspective, he reaches down, grabs the spikes, pulls off the mask. Yeah. Because until now, we didn't know what these creatures truly looked like. I had assumed that they were all the spike, that that was natural. But really, this is a kind of armor. And it's also allowing them to breathe. As we see that the alien basically dies because it can't breathe. Yeah, they suffocate. Yeah, so... That tells us a whole lot without any exposition. It It's all there in that one scene. And I think that that works very well. He unfortunately gets injured. We're going to see him pull that pull spike out, yeah, out later. Yeah, painful. As they're all kind of changing clothes and getting ready for the next step of their plan, which is escape. Yeah, I was watching it up until this point going, man, there's still like a good 40 minutes left. Because I thought, is this the plan? But no, this is not the plan. This is half of the plan. Yeah. Gabe is running. He finds his boat, but it's burned. He gets the gun. We see a... Well... Then would come the scene where they're all kind of changing clothes. But then we see the commissioner, who is speaking to reporters as Mulligan waits. Alien ships are flying in. Mulligan has a conversation with him very, very quick. Mulligan is saying, we need to stop the resistance. I know that... He doesn't say Rafe is alive. He's like, there's somebody I've been following for years. I've got him. I know. And the commissioner's like, just stay quiet. Look, if you make too much noise, I can't get you on the lifeboat that I'm getting on. Right. If there's any way to escape. If it even exists. Yeah. And he is basically saying this world is doomed. The commissioner knows this world is doomed, which is kind of something that Rafe had mentioned before as well, that the aliens, the legislators, are basically stripping the planet bare and then they're going to leave us behind. Mm. And so the commissioner is just desperately trying to save himself Yeah, and saying the same thing. So... He gets sprayed down. He's like, oh, they don't like the smell of us. You wouldn't believe it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But again, beautiful, quick, just dialogue that says everything it needs to and really nothing extra. It gives you an idea of what kind of person the commissioner is and who Mulligan has been kind of answering to all this time. Mulligan then goes back to Jane Doe's, the number one, and he's like, I can't protect you anymore. She says, I know. I have faith in you. And he's like, why? Let's go away together. You know, we can still escape. She's like, it's not our story. Which I think is a a really beautiful line that she says there. And they dance as we see kind of ships landing. And as we know from what the commissioner said earlier, hunters are on those ships. Which makes it sound like, hunters sound bad, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... We see the the father who'd been washing dishes before, who took the dog. Basically, he's waiting on a subway train. He stupidly calls his wife. The specials are already there. And we pretty much know because of how they go straight to the buses that he gave up some information. Uh, again, we aren't told that. We aren't shown that. But it's there. The gaps, they aren't there. But you have to really pay attention. At the bus station, it's nearly time. Uh, the mechanic... She cuts ahead of line because there's some little boy who couldn't get through the door. So she uses that to get onto her bus on time. There's a whole great action scene here with the hunters. Like, basically, the bus is just escaping. 
the yeah they're on their way out R- rocky horror brian cranston is on his way he sighs relief and then the power for everything just cuts yeah and i've honestly here's a weird thing so the fabric on the bus is looks like a fabric it's it, i'm pretty sure it's identical to bluebird buses in the uk so i was like oh did they film some of this in the uk so I spent an hour searching for this because this is the kind of dumb I'm, things I'm, I'm that i do bluebird is not just in the uk they make probably most of the school buses in the u.s exactly and so i learned a lot about buses and bus <laughs> fabrics i'll tell you that <laughs> Um, but I realized that I just wasted an hour of my time. Mm. So there you go. Stay That's tuned what... for our next podcast. We on start bluebird buses. On bluebird buses and versatile range of pigskin that they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so... yeah, this is just a really well put together scene. The mechanic panics and she's going to run. Rafe tries to save her, but he can't. She ends up getting shot. He takes the hunter out, you know, temporarily he runs out, he's about to take a suicide pill, and Mulligan shoots him. But not shoots to kill, really shoots to save him. Because I think he knows that there's a suicide pill. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know why he, and how he managed to shoot a tiny pill out of his hand. But... I think he shot his hand. Oh, right, okay. It didn't look like <laughs> It wasn't this kind of like <laughs> there's no Wild blood. West thing. There's no blood. It's like, it's like uh. ping... <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the, that's what's implied anyway. Right. That would that would be my suspicion. But then we cut to Mulligan. Well, they're kind of taking over that building, right? So there is the whole scene with the the kid who is getting the coin to make the phone calls, who wakes up everybody, who they start just throwing all the contraband out the windows. It's a great quick scene. Mulligan is there. Your favorite guy starts a fight and Gabe tries to protect him with the revolver that he grabbed back from when he sees it, when he saw his boat burning. Yeah. Yeah. And Mulligan confronts him. So what are you going to do? You're going to shoot him? Go ahead. Shoot him. And then basically knocks the gun out of his hand and takes him in. So he's interrogating Gabriel, basically says, you work for me now and shows Rafe tied up and this is, again, another good scene where he's like, why didn't you get away? Not knowing that Gabe wanted to. He couldn't get away. And Gabe's like, why do you always have to play the hero? Like, it's the same fight. It's the same fight again in a very intense, very short thing. Mulligan offers to keep Rafe alive if Gabriel does what he asks. And this is the one tiny little scene that I think that I could cut because they basically say the exact same thing through surveillance footage and saying, if you do what I say, Rafe will live. We didn't really need to hear it twice. I think that we could have gathered exactly why Gabriel did it, based on what Mulligan had said before. But it's like two seconds, so it's yeah, it's nothing worth fighting over. But that's what I mean. Like I, For me, personally, I feel this movie is very, very tight, and that's about the only thing that I felt that was superfluous in the whole thing. So we see Gabe given a phoenix ad that he's supposed to show so he goes to the sergeant who takes him to Rittenhouse who recognizes Gabe and says oh he was a student of mine and this is where the first time I watched it all of a sudden things were starting to click wait there's more to this than I realized it was fine that Mulligan knew him but if more than one person seems to know who Gabriel is and just by sight yeah then there's something more going on here and I like that I like that we were kind of hinted at it at this point that there's something more they basically take gabe to number one they she's got a a gun she also turns and says hi gabriel so she knows who he is but she's got a gun that's not loaded but they storm in they kill her mulligan has to go in and kind of pretend that he's totally fine that he didn't know her he does cover her up but that's the most he does and then they notice the picture He says, well, it is the only art on the wall. They take it off. There's a bug, right? Which they pull out and they find. And he says, oh, they've got their own stuff. So this is, again, for me, another beautiful scene where Mulligan testifies. And you know that there are the higher ups that are on the other side. In between are all the translators. And you can hear the kind of clicking language of the legislators as he's coming in. He's explaining everything. And in this, we get a beautiful graphic that explains the organizational chart of everybody we've had. 
we get to see all of the, you know, the their names for the first time ever, <laughs> but their position. But as he's doing this, we get a montage of basically how they all kill themselves because their mission is over and they need to take themselves out, I guess, before they are taken as prisoner or could be used against other people. Yeah, divulge their plans. Stuff like that. Yep. And during that, there's a presentation of the audio that's coming from her apartment and everybody giving away secrets and the commissioners start sweating and he tries to get away. And one of the things I love most is basically Mulligan gets his job. He gets the commissioner position by way of departing. <laughs> they basically say, as acting commissioner, you're expected to da-da-da-da-da, these are your jobs, and that's it, yeah. right? It's not like, congratulations, you have a new job. It's just like, you are now the commissioner. <laughs> and that's, that's all it took. <laughs> we get to see the old commissioner and Rafe basically being boarded to an off-planet ship, which is where they the use the same, same footage thing, yeah. again, yeah. And Mulligan is going to meet Gabe again in his car. He gives him the memory card from the blackberry and he says you know you can do with it what you want but take it in he gives the same kind of speech about the trojan horse and also the speech about the you know ignite a match start a war and you know gabe's like what does it matter if rafe's alive his plan failed anyway and this is the line that gets me mulligan turns to him and says what if the plan was to fail because i had no idea for me honestly I didn't know that the plan failed that much. I think they did kill some of the legislatures on the, in that tunnel. Yeah. I think that they did kind of already start a spark. I didn't realize that there would be more. Like you, I thought the plan was done. Mm. It's only with that line that you realize, actually, this movie isn't done. We're not completely done. The commissioner now, Mulligan, is getting a party. He heads below. We're going to see Rula in the elevator at this point. So that's how we know that she was in on more than we realized. As he's being prepared, we let's just finish his story. So we're going to, it cuts between him and Gabe, but we're going to see hints that he has a bomb on his back. And we're going to see that it's not a little bomb. This is a huge one that's going to cover him. This is a huge thing that's going to take out a lot. Yeah, because we saw this, that, that little square one that they had that managed to take out six legislators or something like that. So, yeah, this is a big one, like covering, I presume, every bit of his body pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but it certainly does by the end. We could see it grow over yeah. his face. This is interspliced with scenes that Gabe is watching from like an old barbecue where we see so many of the people. We see Rittenhouse, we see... Number one, we get the image, a, a close-up of them and his mother, who was a teacher at the yeah. school, that they all knew each other from before. And there's just this kind of loving, friendly thing that we've got going here. And Gabe is suddenly realizing who all these people were for the first time. He decides to hide the information. And I'm pretty sure that at the end, when we hear somebody say... Again, that line about, you know, lighting a spark, um, you know, starting war. Pretty sure this meant to be him and that he is leading the next wave. And as we close, we see some graphics that say Chicago, closed zone destroyed, Indianapolis, closed zone destroyed. So whether they were all working together or whether one led to the others. Which right. is, and even in the end, you see it spread across the whole map. Yeah. Though, yeah. So we're we're kind of led to believe that things get better. Yeah. But it but we, cuts, but we don't know. No, and it cuts at the point where it matters to us. We know what happened in Chicago, and we know what happened to essentially our two main characters, Mulligan and Gabe, and what happened to them at the end. Again, for me, this movie is really dense. It is like you have to really be in the mood to watch something through. But my puzzle-seeking brain just absolutely loves this movie. I love the way that it gets put together. For me, it doesn't really have gaps. I think any gaps we have, we don't need because it is incredibly efficient in storytelling. We don't have any filler and we don't need it. It doesn't give a lot of exposition. You get it by paying attention. Like I said before, I think that it, it could be a series and 
they probably at some point will make it a series. I think this movie is very underrated. I think that it sits very well as an efficient one piece talking about class differentiation. It is really great science fiction. It is great kind of politics and intense, you know, one battle war kind of thing. I think that it works in all of those. And the biggest thing for me is it shows an ordinary group of people doing an amazing thing by working together. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I don't know. I I can't get enough of this movie. I've seen it three times. I'm sure I'm going to see it again. If you like the movie, maybe go to one of these places and give it a decent rating because it hurts me that this movie <laughs> gets so low. I'm really disappointed that it's so low. I was actually expecting... Maybe the audience would be low, but the critics would be high. The there fact must, that they're both low, it's, it's, I don't know. I, must I'm just have been, there must have been something at the box office at the same time that kind of, I can only put that down to like a bad release, like a bad scheduled date to release it because it must have been going up against something pretty big because it flopped big time. It didn't make even the tenth of the money back. Like, you know, you, you got like the, 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 the earnings and stuff. It didn't make a fraction of what it, of what it, uh, spent this budget so i don't know what went wrong because i mean it's fine and you know if you liked like movies like uh cloverfield then this is like a good version of cloverfield <laughs> um but and i i know that some people would probably compare this to cloverfield but and would say that it, you could argue that it's maybe even in the same universe but i wouldn't i would say that this is if you're going to put this in another in another universe then I would say it's another movie that we've talked about, and that's The Circle, or Circle. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so better than lumping it in with JJ. <laughs> yeah, by all means, let's lump in all our kind of underrated movies together yeah, yeah. and make that our cinematic universe. <laughs> Gaps filled and more gaps created.